AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, my whole life, I've been set up for that. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and dealt with a ton of bullying, a ton of racism, and that kind of stuff continued as I got into the industry, continued after I got married, continued after just certain seasons in my life. So I realized that that's actually a part of my calling, and I'm set up to to be there in a way as, as kind of a light that, like, you're good. You know, if you are being challenged in that way, and know that God has something really, really special for you. For you. I'm a big fan. I'm just a big fan. Actress and the super talented, making good, getting naked. Calm down, fellas. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world where vulnerable, considered weak, come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific, life-altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Hey, good people. Welcome to Naked with yours truly. I appreciate you guys hanging out. You know who's on the show. And uh, hopefully, I already, I don't even, there's not a hope in my mind. I know for a fact the men are tuning in because she is gorgeous and sweet and kind and obviously newly single. So y'all out here trying to get a boo. I already know what this is. But with that being said, uh, Megan Good, yes, welcome to the podcast. Before we get into Megan, I wanted to take a minute to do every now and again on the podcast, if you're a faithful listener, you know I do a week recap or I, or I get naked about what I'm feeling. And this past week has been um, a lot of things for me in terms of how I feel about the world in which we live in, the world in the space that I live in and that I've created for myself and the work that I do. Everyone, I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Flores, but he is the, the Honduras, the Afro-Latina, if I'm being specific, coach who sued the NFL. His parents are immigrants from Honduras. He's born and raised in Brooklyn, so I'm calling him Afro-Latina because if he's walking down the street, you're going to call him black. And uh, he sued the NFL and three teams, and there are more, from my understanding, coaches that will join. It's a class action lawsuit that says the NFL is racist, the hiring practices are racist, and that it's like a plantation. And, and with that being said, the sky is blue and water is wet. Like, who didn't know that? If we didn't learn that with Colin Kaepernick, we for damn sure know now. The difference in the, not very much of a difference, but the difference in this case is that 
Brian Flores is in the process of looking for a head coaching job. He still thinks he's a lead candidate for a couple of jobs, which I significantly believe, excuse me, not even significantly, I doubt it. I, I think his chances have decreased immensely, and that is sad to say. You cannot sue the NFL and then still think you can work for them. I don't even know how that works. I don't even know if you would want to be in that space. And so when this lawsuit came about, it was the big breaking news, and I said, not for nothing. I'm tired of fighting to be in spaces where we're barely tolerated. And I had a lot of you all reach out to me and say, what? So I'm going to repeat it again. I am sick and tired of fighting for space in places where we are barely tolerated. And what I mean by that is we as marginalized people, black and brown people, fight so hard to be one of or the first. And when we get there, we look around and these fools don't want us there. So why are we fighting so hard to be there? Well, it's twofold. You want to pave the way, you want to make it easier, you want to show that you can be an example of what is possible if you see it, you believe it. You know, I, I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. But I also know, if I'm keeping it real, when you get there, it's hard to stay there because they make you feel like you don't belong. You're very rarely welcomed when you're a minority in a space that doesn't really understand you. And really isn't trying to understand you because they've never had to understand you. White people have no need to understand who we are. They could care less. Think of this concept. Racism is a big deal. But you can read a story about racism if you're white and decide to do one of several things. One, you could just be like, oh, that's fucked up and go on about your day. Two, you could decide to empathize and still go on about your day. Three, you could say, wow, everybody's still whining, right? Because I hear that a lot. Y'all still whining. Y'all had a black president. Calm down. Y'all whining. And then four, right? There's several other options. But four would be, that bothers me. And anytime I see it as a person who, quote unquote, is seen as privileged, I'm going to make sure that I acknowledge that it's not fair. And I'm going to do my part in whatever small way to let other people know that are in these marginalized communities, I stand with you. I'm not going to ignore what's going on. And that's tough, right? It's tough. It's tough to speak freely. It's tough to speak easily. It's tough to speak your mind, especially in this social media day and age. What Brian Flores did was nothing short of being the most courageous hero that I've seen in a long time. It took courage to say I'm going up against the NFL. It took courage to say I'm going to take Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is NFL royalty. He is coaching royalty. I'm going to take his text messages and use it as an example to file a lawsuit because I'm fed up. Now, by the way, Brian has been fed up for a long time. He just didn't get that text message over the last couple of weeks and say I'm suing. He's been fed up for a long time, much like many of you and I are. We're fed up with our circumstances. We're fed up with the way people are treating us. And in the back of our mind, we know that we are too good to be treated that way. That goes for personal and professional relationships. I talk about my my time at the four letters. I was being treated poorly. And if I stayed there, my self-worth would have diminished. And I refuse to let someone dictate what my self-worth is. I do that. I do that. But it takes a while because we, as a collective, want to be in these spaces that we are barely tolerated in. I say to you no more. I say to you, once you realize that they don't want you, pack your shit up and go. 
ain't saying go tomorrow. I ain't saying go yesterday, but I'm saying go. Don't come in as if you have the experience of a vet and you're still a rookie talking about I don't want to be here because I'm creating a space for me. If you're a rookie, stay there, put your head down, figure it out. I have to say that specifically because I mentor young girls and I swear sometimes they be like, but I need this and I deserve that. And I'm like, you have to get in line, pay your dues. That's my approach. You may disagree. And then start talking to me about the trials and trying and all the nonsense you've been through because you ain't been through nothing. You can't you can't have none of these scars that me and Brian Flores have unless you've been through something. (sighs) But here, listen to this. And it's about to get heavy. Here's the problem. That man gave up his career. I highly doubt he'll ever coach in the NFL again. Maybe on the collegiate level. But an NFL coach with aspirations of doing more seems pretty much dead in the water. And that's what sucks. Because he knew that he had to do this so that it wouldn't happen again. But it will continue to happen. But he had to shine a light on something so disgusting, which is why... I will always be loud about stories like these because they deserve the attention. They deserve to stay top of mind, if you will, so that we understand, yo, this is what we're here to do. If we really want to disrupt, we have to disrupt majorly. I'm going to talk to you nice, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, both of those, in my opinion, they can be done. (sighs) But I feel bad for him because he's hurt. And he's hurting. I don't even think it's funny. Here's the kicker. He still has hope while he is hurt. This man still thinks there's a sliver of a chance that he could coach in the NFL because he has two more interviews left. What? The audacity of his self-worth, right? Congratulations, I love it. And his hope. But that hope that he has is the same hope that so many of us as black folks have. Why do you think we're not out here asking for revenge? We just want justice and equality and our fair share. Our piece of this American pie that we helped build on our back for free. We would like our piece back. Thank you. We stay hopeful. And I said to my homeboy, because we were talking about this the other day, and I go, why are we so hopeful? I said the same thing to my friend Jamal. You guys know Jamal Hill. Why do we as a people remain hopeful that the same group of people who have stepped on our necks and kept us down for years and years and years since its inception of this country will one day say, you know what, that's not right. Come on in. Color shouldn't be a determining factor of whether or not you can succeed or if you're smart. Come on in. You're different from me and you socialize differently, but that doesn't scare me. We are hopeful that that will ever happen. I mean, we really are hopeful that will happen, rather. And I don't know why. Why are we so hopeful as a people? It really is fascinating, impressive, encouraging, (sighs) sad sometimes. It's all the things, but we stay hopeful. And to me, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is a perfect example of that hope. While he's doing the right thing and standing in the gap for so many people and other coaches, for that matter, and other people in corporate spaces who know that they're being mistreated and not promoted because of the color of their skin or being blackballed because they had the, again, audacity of hope, he's standing in the gap for all of you, if you can relate to that. But at the same time, this man really, truly believes he'll work again in the NFL. I'm being specific. 
read the story if you haven't. It's amazing. It's been everywhere. Catch up on it. Get involved. Get concerned. Back to our guest. Guest. It's the lovely, the beautiful, the multi-talented Megan Good. Now, this actress, I'd love to give a personal story if I have one. And this one's God, from some some time ago. I was in L.A. I live here, obviously, but I, somehow I got invited to some party and she was there. You know, L.A.'s big on house parties if you live here. And I remember her not checking in, but going up and saying, Megan, good. And I guess they were giving us wristbands so we can drink. You know, this is a long time ago because ain't nobody walking up for no wristbands now. Well, maybe we are. And I was, you know... I don't even know. I was not working on TV. I was, you know, whatever I was doing. Who knows? Maybe I was. I don't remember. But what I do remember is seeing this beautiful woman named Megan Good. I do know I wasn't in the world of television enough for me to walk up to her and say, what up, my homie? And I see her there and she is stunning. She is beautiful. Her skin is perfect. She's just as kind as she possibly could. But this is a true story. Woman to woman, she was hella sexy. It's rare that I meet a woman. I'm like, damn, she's sexy. I can count on my hands how many women I think are really sexy. Megan Good is one of them. Women that I've seen in person. Don't judge me. Here's my list randomly. Top five. Not even top five. Here's my list of sexy women that I think. I'm like, oh, she's sexy. <laughs> so crazy. And then again, I want to see them in person. So don't be mad. Definitely Megan Good. Nicole Murphy. I met her in person. That woman is bad. Not so much even sexy, but definitely sexy, but bad, 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 bad. I see her walking around. I'm like, God damn. You know, if I was a man. And then uh, Taylor Rooks. I think she's super sexy. Shout out to my girl, Taylor. Myself, of course. And gosh. Oh, don't be mad. I'm a go actress. Angelina Jolie. Charlize Theron. Fight me later. At me. At at Carrie Champion. Meanwhile, back to Megan Good. I digress. You're going to really love this. You're really going to love her. She's special. And you also know that she's coming off of a divorce. So out of respect, I didn't want to ask about her divorce. Just out of respect. But you could see and you can hear that she is fighting to pull it all together. She has this hit show called Harlem, which if you haven't seen, check it out. And all the while, everything else personally may be falling apart. But she's holding it together and she's doing it so lovely. We get into it right away about being California girls. Cali girls is just different. We just made different, y'all. Enjoy Naked. I have to, side note, um, let's just talk about how beautiful you are for five seconds. Like I, I literally called, this is, a, this is my stock story. I called your hairstylist because I wanted my hair cut short. <laughs> that color. <laughs> that was my stock story. And I was like, okay, Carrie, relax. It's not happening today. But anyway, um, we have a couple of things in common, born and raised in LA. I think both of us have been. Um, and talk to me about the difference because I can't explain it to people unless they're from here. What is right, the right. the L.A. vibe? What do we, like, there's a je ne sais quoi that we have. Because everyone's like, L.A. people are so fake. Y'all so phony. Y'all so this. I'm like, not if you grew up here. Right? Yeah. No, I feel <laughs> like when people say that, they're usually talking about the transplants. Um, and not to say the transplants are fake or phony or anything like that. But I think that people come to L.A. a majority of the time with a dream. Yes. To make it in the industry in some capacity. And I think that. Um, there comes like a, a preconceived notion 
of how to carry yourself or how to act or how to be. And I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but I do think that it often becomes a reflection of how LA people act. And in actuality, those of us who are, who are born and raised here, we're hippies, you know, most of us are free spirits. You know, we, we vibrate on like a chill level. We're easygoing. We're probably overly loving to the point of where sometimes I think we uh, annoy people from New York because they're like, you know, you cannot be serious. You cannot be serious right now. And you're like, no, I just want to make sure you're okay. I'm like, yeah. you know, it's Taco Tuesday. You want to go somewhere and do something? <laughs> I know I just met you 10 minutes ago, but hey, let's talk about life. You know, that's, um, a, that's a true story. I think that, especially like growing up here, I, I I can remember a few times I went to UCLA and I can remember a few times there, there were all these parties where, and they were house parties. LA's big on house parties. I try to explain that to people. Talk about, that's what we do. It's not a club scene, but a bomb house party, like a real fire house party is where we hang out and where we live. And they don't understand that when we, when I try to like, I was like, house parties are the shit. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy because I didn't realize that that's more of an L.A. thing. But now that you're saying it, it totally makes sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, we just like a good vibe. We like to like not always have to get dressed up, hang out by the pool, have some good conversations of life or just like have a party that's just like going off. And you did get dressed up, but it's like you with all your friends that you grew up around or people that you've known for like years and years and years and everybody really wants to dance and have a good yeah. time. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be like overly expensive. You've got the red cups and you just chill it. You know? <laughs> like for real, like that's exactly how we hang out. I think I'm glad that you're saying that because I do try to explain that to people and we get, um, you know, people just feel away. And I, and I do, I do <laughs> feel like they, I'm like, we're not fake. We're legitimately genuine when we're from here and you have to catch the vibe otherwise you miss it there's something that i and then i'll talk about this um the part of what i think is is beautiful about how you move is that we know that you love the lord and that you're a christian but there there is it the, it's not to be mutually exclusive to be beautiful sexy play a role that may not be who you are a bit of a departure but still say, I love the Lord. How do you reconcile the two? I think for me, you know, I got saved when I was 13. And at that time I was like a very religious Christian, like very Bible stomping. I cried when my sister lost her virginity and told her I didn't want her to go to hell. Like oh, I was like, was oh like no. that. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, as I've grown with the Lord and I've gotten to know him, and I started to have real conversations with him that weren't based on being religious or an ideal, but were based on really getting to know him and really hearing him for myself is when I started having conversations with him. Like when I was 19 was the first time I was like, wait, Lord, I've been acting like since I was a kid, I never even asked you if this is what I should be doing or like if this is the life that you have for me. And I got to a place where I was like, I'm just going to put it on the altar and I give it to you. And if you want me to do this, then I will do it. But I want what you want for me more than what I think I want for myself. And that was the first time that I got confirmation that this is the industry that I should be in. And this is the job that I should be doing, but that is bigger than me and using this platform to glorify him. However, how I glorify him is unique to who I am. He made me all of who I am from the way that I think to the way that I speak to the way that I look to the passions that are in my heart, the things that I desire to accomplish. He gave me all of those things. And so when something is off kilter, not in alignment, he lets me know. And I also ask, and when something is in alignment, 
it doesn't have to make sense to everybody else, but I know in my spirit that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, for me, I don't feel that I'm necessarily called to the church in that way. I feel sure. that I'm called to the church, but I'm, I'm called to the world in the sense of you can only light up, only light can light up dark spaces. Light doesn't need to light up light because it's already lit. You have to go into dark spaces and you have to be relatable in an authentic way in order to build the kingdom. And for me, I know I relate to who relates to me, you know, and people who feel, you know, left out or people who feel judged or criticized or misunderstood or whatever it might be. I immediately connect with those spirits and not even because I'm trying to, we're just like kindred tribe, you know, and that's what God has called me to. And so I just try to really make it about not having a religious mindset, but like, Lord, what do you say? And if you say I'm good, then I'm good. And when anybody else has to say about it, that's not my tribe. But those who get it, get it. And, and those um, who don't, don't. And that's okay. You know, that's a sermon in itself. Those who get it, get it. And those who don't, don't. And that's not your work to make those who don't understand get it. Like, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. But you said something that I thought was really interesting. You got confirmation. What was the confirmation? Did it come in a role? Did you hear God saying to you, move this way? Or was it a combination of a few things? Um, it was a confir- It was a, the confirmation was a few different things, but the main thing was, cause I hear God in different ways, especially as I've gotten older, I hear him a lot more crisp and clear. Wow. Um, but at that time when I was about 19, I, I just felt like a settling in my spirit. And I felt like God saying like, yes, this is right. But then I also felt like a, a curiosity of like him placing on my spirit, but like, that's not it. Like, this is not the bottom line. That's not the answer. And so when I, you know, as I went along through my twenties, I just felt God in certain seasons saying, I'm going to reveal it to you. I'm going to reveal it to you, but you'll know it as you experience it and you'll feel it. And so when I connected with younger women when I connected with people who've been through things that I've been through that I haven't necessarily spoken about publicly yet. And one day I will, whenever God tells me that he wants me to. But um, when I connected with just like outcasts and people who just feel left out, especially of left out of the church or left out of whatever it may be. Uh, my whole life I've been set up for that. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I dealt with a ton of bullying, a ton of racism. And that kind of stuff continued as I got into the industry continued after I got married, continued after just certain seasons in my life. So I realized that that's actually a part of my calling and I'm set up to, to be there in a way as, as kind of a light that like, you're good. You know, if you are being challenged in that way, then know that God has something really, really special for you. And he does give the toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And he does have purpose in every bad thing that happens, seemingly bad, you know? Um, so, yeah, I just kind of felt in every season, I feel like it gets revealed to me a little bit more. He gives the toughest battles to the soldiers he knows that can handle it. By the way, that's a word for somebody, myself specifically, especially if you're going through something, something, something. Hey, everybody, we'll be back in just a few moments with Megan Good. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. 
lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts, There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment can make it work. Hey everybody, welcome back to Naked. We got the beautiful, talented, Megan Good still here hanging out with us. You talked about being bullied. So I read, and this is, and by read, I mean my researchers, shout out to uh, Henry and Peyton. They said that you uh, grew up in Panorama, well, born in Panorama, but grew up in Santa Clarita, which is mm-hmm. was Canyon country. And yeah. you talked about being bullied. Is that accurate? Those, those, those places? Yeah. Okay. And, and what did the bullying look like? And and why were you bullied? That's interesting. Uh, mainly for being black. <laughs> I would have people like in the neighborhood tell me like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. I had a, a neighbor's, um, I couldn't walk past the sidewalk. I couldn't step foot on their property at all. Um, I had a fifth grade teacher who hit me. Um, I had a sixth grade teacher who was constantly like, sending me to the office and like picking on me. I had a seventh grade teacher who told me I wouldn't make it as an actress and that I wasn't very pretty. And, oh. um, and then there were just girls in school that were hell bent on just like, you know, touching my hair and um, a few fights that I got into were like those girls tried to restrain me while somebody else tried to beat me up. Just stuff here and there. A lot of the N word being thrown around by people who are not black. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of like racism, you know, or like, I mean, to the point of like someone getting out of the pool because you're in the pool, you know, that's crazy. That's, you know, for you to say that, and I would think, especially growing up in California, Southern California, I couldn't identify racism overtly. 
And maybe you had, because, you know, look, I grew up in Pasadena and I was in LA a lot, but maybe you had to be further out in neighborhoods where there were no blacks, right? For you to be able to see it, because I feel like it's really hidden here. Not so much as of late, but I feel like it's hidden. And for you to experience that, um, of course, as an adult outside looking in, it just, you know, sounds like jealousy, like people were jealous and they didn't want you to mm-hmm. succeed. When you realized, when did you realize more specifically that you had a talent and that people liked looking at your face and that you were beautiful and you and you were set apart? And by the way, that's an ongoing lesson, I'm sure. But I'm just saying, like, when when did you know, know that you're like, I'm 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 set here to do this? What moment was that? I think. I always was a, I don't know why I was such a confident kid. I always had the attitude of like, you don't see it, but I'll show you one day, you know? But I also kind of had that insecurity of like, you know, nobody really looked like me where I grew up, except for my sister and my mother. And it was always like, well, maybe I should look like this. Maybe I should look like that. Or I have a crush on this boy, but he doesn't like me because I'm black or because of my hair or because of this or whatever. And so there was always like the insecurity, but like the overconfidence kind of like, meshing with each other always and I think um in terms of acting like you know I wanted to be like a good dancer like be on the dance team or be a cheerleader and I just none of those things I would ever make and I would never get chosen and so acting for me was really kind of an outlet in a place where I could find something that I had ownership over and I felt confident doing and it wasn't until probably until I was around like 16, 17, that I started realizing that what you do in the world is directly connected to how God wants to use you in some way, you know? And so that's when I started being intentional about like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then I think around 19 was the first time that I realized this is, I, I get to be here. You know, I'm a good actress, but like there, you know, there's a million great actresses. I'm a pretty girl, but there's a million pretty girls. I get to take up space here because God has allowed me to take up space here. And because of that, I know that it's bigger than me. And it's not about being a celebrity or being famous or whatever that means. It's about using what he's given me as part of my purpose and using it in the world. However, he instructs me to. And, um, so yeah, I think that was the, the around the time when I first started realizing it. And then, like you said, it's been an ongoing progression, you know? Of course, of course. You have a show out that I love, and I know that you <laughs> have, I mean, I don't know anybody who probably is not running up on you like, listen, Harlem is everything. So <laughs> it, it was, it, it, it's always to me on the outside looking in a special moment when the actor gets the role that is for them and they're put around the right people. Like to me, that has to be such beautiful chemistry and destiny and luck and all the things have to come together for it to be such a special show. Your show is great. First episode, you. you guys give a shout out to, uh, to my partner, my television partner, Jamel Hill. And then you guys, you have this role in which Everything you say is so real and so honest. I'm like, kudos to the writers. Kudos to you for executing because there's so much that goes on behind it. Talk to me about when Harlem came to you and you said, this is it. I got to do it. Or I had to fight for it or whatever it was. What was the process when they brought this project to you and you ultimately decided to do it? Um, It's really interesting because TV always scares me. 
it's, oh. it's such a big commitment, you know, like a movie you go, you shoot for like a month, two months, three months. If it's like a big, you know, whatever DC or Marvel movie it might be a few months, but then you're done. And with TV, you know, you work from like five to seven to nine, you know, however many months. And then if the show continues to move on, you're doing that cycle for years and years and years. And um, I'm very much a nomad and a bit of a hippie. So I don't always like that type of stability. It kind of scares me. It's just like very committal. And so um, with Harlan, before I got the script for that, I was like, you know what? I would do TV if I could find something that I love the people I'm working with. I love the character. It's a character I haven't played before. And I get to do like some physical comedy, like some Lucille Ball comedy. But I haven't got a chance to really do any of that stuff, you know? And I was like, that's, that's what I, where I would want to live. And so when Harlem came to me, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it, you know? And so I met with Tracy and then I thought, okay, cool. They'll call me and, you know, we'll do it. And I didn't hear anything for two weeks. And then I was like, well, what's, what's, what's the latest with that? And they were like, oh, they're auditioning people. And I was like, for Camille? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, I would like to audition. And, you know, the feedback kind of came back. Like, they weren't sure if I was right for her. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, got it. I was like, can we just get me in the room and, like, just give me a chance to show them who I think she is. And so I went in, you know, tested for it. Um, didn't hear anything for another two weeks. And I was no. like, no, <laughs> so, this damn business. <laughs> I was um, but then when I did get the call, I remember I was at um, Mama's shelter on like Vine Street, something like that. And I just like cried. And I was like so happy because I was like, you know, after 30 years in the business, I can still change people's minds. Amen. About me, you know, and I can still surprise people and I can still show them that, there's so much more left for me to do that I haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. I feel like I have such a far way to go, even though in a lot of ways I'm a vet. I still feel like, you know, we're growing every day just as human beings with our experiences. And so um, it was super gratifying, not just to get the role, but to prove to someone like, that there's something else in there and and yeah so it's, this it's, is it ma this is it whether you i mean i'm telling you, i don't know what it is but it really sets you apart and it is special and it hits home and it and i know i'm not the only person to tell you that but like you know you group chats when you got the group chats like did y'all see what happened when and the boyfriend came and he had a girlfriend and he engaged how dare he be engaged how dare he be engaged can i talk to the writers <laughs> Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it's getting juicy already. We waited on this official word for season two, but it's uh, it's looking juicy already. I am more than happy for you, and I know you have to get out of here. Um, I want to know if you have anything that you're working on outside of Harlem, I'm sure, um, that you want to tell everybody about. Um, I have a movie with Jamie Foxx coming out this year for Netflix called Day Shift. Um, and it's a vampire slaying comedy. Okay. Um, I'm really excited about vampire for me. It's like bucket list. I'm a nineties kid. So, you know, um, and then I just did the sequel of Shazam, uh, two. So Shazam Fury of the Gods that comes out next year and, um, got a few other things in the work that I can't talk about yet, but it's, it's, it's been a challenging and rough year. And it's also been an amazing year. You know, isn't it interesting how that works? They go hand in hand, don't they? 
Um, yeah. I, I can relate. I can, cause you can feel the chains falling, but you also see breakthrough. And then there's just all these different emotions that you're feeling. And I just want you to know that you are inspiring. However you want to inspire, however, whatever energy you're putting in the universe, um, there are people who are looking at you do it so eloquently and so effortlessly and it's encouraging Thank right you. with all respect I received that thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you guys so much for listening to Naked I appreciate it I, I know in the beginning I was preaching but uh, I appreciate you listening for the preach or at least fast forwarding only through some parts Megan Good check out her show it is amazing it's funny um, for me like I said, it's the equivalent of a better version of a young sex in the city, but with a lot of brown girls. It's awesome. It's honest. <laughs> I mean, way too honest. I'm like, wait, I, have I been in that situation? I think I have. I, I'm glad to see that she has so much going on. You have to remember, Megan was the one that was in um, the Bayou movie. Come on, y'all. Help me out. I had it here ready to go and share it with y'all. But she was a kid in that movie. And I remember thinking... Look at this, and I don't know how old she was, 12-year-old girl, but she's super beautiful. Eve's by you, you know that. I was like, gosh, she's beautiful. And she had that, that je ne sais quoi then. And so, Megan, if you're listening, I'm sending you love and light, and I am so happy for your success, and I only hope that at the end of the day, outside of the success, that you have peace. Thank you guys for listening to Naked. See y'all next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.